the people of sake actually brought me into sake. Back in 1988, this place was actually in Ginza on the main drag. At first it was kind of soy sauce, it was miso. To the point where it actually changed my life. New Year's Day 1989. Uh, not just sake as a beverage, but all the culture and history. Of and welcome, and thanks for tuning in once again to this brand new episode of Sake on Air, the world's very first podcast dedicated to expanding the dialogue surrounding Japan's iconic beverages of sake and shochu. My name is Justin Potts. I am one of your regular hosts here on this show. And this week we are continuing with our sake vocab mini series. Uh, for those who have not been following along, we're pulling in uh, luminaries and educators and brewers uh, from throughout the sake and shochu industry to step in and tell us a little bit about a sake specific or shochu specific uh, piece of vocabulary that they feel is important or interesting or dubious or confusing. And we're just sort of sifting through some of that vocabulary to hopefully uh, help you along in uh, understanding and enjoying your sake journey just a little bit more. This week, I am joined by none other than Mr. Andrew Centafonte. Andrew, uh, for those who do not know, is the owner and head brewer over at North American Sake Brewery. Uh, which is located in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, he also happens to be the founder and chairman of the Sake Brewers Association of North America. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. Hey, Justin, how you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. I'm glad I was able to uh, pull you aside here. We got a lot of things we're actually working on, trying to get uh, trying to get things sorted in the world of, so of sake over here in North America. Um, so it's That's always... Right. Always great to have you on. Uh, always great to see you. Always great to chat. Yeah, um, happy to be here. Yeah, and thanks for setting aside a few minutes here um, to share with us um, your sake vocabulary of the day. Um, but before we do that, I guess just real quick, if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit, just real briefly about uh, North American Sake Brewery. Yeah, so we we are uh, North American Sake. We are based in Charlottesville, Virginia. We've been making uh, handcrafted uh, sakes for a little over four years now, which is a really exciting milestone for us. Um, but yeah, we make very, very hands-on, very traditional um, uh, styles of sake. And then we also do some experimental uh, and infused and, and fun sakes. So we kind of do a little bit of both. Um, and we are just so pumped to be making uh, and giving people some fresh uh, fresh sake. So. Very good. Very good. Very good. And then I guess I imagine maybe a lot of folks might have heard of the brewery, but maybe some of the listeners might not necessarily be familiar with the uh, Sake Brewers uh, Association of North America. Would you mind just telling us just real quick uh, what that's all about and what that institution is uh, out working on? Yeah. So early on when when I was um, kind of getting getting my brewery started, it became so apparent um, that there was just so many gaps in knowledge and gaps in community uh, and, you know, hard to source equipment, hard to source um, ingredients that a, a trade association would be critical to the growth of sake in the U.S. And so uh, thus the, the Sake Brewers Association of North America was born and we are a, a nonprofit dedicated to uplifting this industry, to helping find opportunities to connect brewers 
uh, with each other and to really grow it so that it can flourish in, in North America. Uh, you know, sake ha is a niche product uh, and we are seeing more and more breweries pop up uh, in the US and Canada and, and Mexico. And it's a really exciting time, but it's a critical time where, you know, it's it's a difficult time. And so we wanna make sure that, that these breweries are supported and that we can see this thing, um, build a platform for this thing so that it can really, really grow. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. And, you know, and, Andrew, I feel bad. I In the near future, what we'll do is we'll absolutely get you back on so that we can actually, we could, we should do a session just solely on, you know, the Brewers Association. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should do a session on your brewery. Um, and so I will bring you back on for sure here in the near future so we can dig into yeah. those things in more detail. Um, but I do appreciate you taking time out of your day um, to share with us today just a little bit about the sake vocabulary that's on your mind. Um, and so with that, uh, what did you uh, what did you bring with you today in terms of sake words? Yeah, so I chose the word muroka um, because it's a confusing one and it and it was one that threw me off guard for a while and it's one that you you know maybe don't see on bottles or or maybe you do. Um, and it's it's a little bit confusing. So the word means unfiltered. Um, but I think a lot of us kind of ha have different uh, experiences on, on what that might mean. You know, some people might hear unfiltered and think about a nigori or a cloudy style of sake. Um, and so you're kind of like, well, what's the difference between Maroka and nigori? Like, why is that important? Um, and you know, like someone like me who owns a brewery, uh, actually was like one of these moments where I remember like going through a few things and like coming across that word and looking at it, and going, "Huh, I guess all of my sakes are Maroka." Yeah. <laughs> we, you know, <laughs> we press it. <laughs> yeah, we press our sakes, but we actually don't do any other filtration beyond that. We just cold crash. You know, get it super cold, and all those particles drop like you know, your bottle of Nagori that you see in the fridge. And then we just pull it right, you know, clear sake right off the top. And that's what, that's kind of what all of our sakes are. And so it was just kind of one of these funny moments where I was like, huh. And, you know, we don't put that on our bottle. Um, I think mostly because it's just such a ambiguous term. Um, but I think it's one of those things that I think is, it's from like a technical standpoint is interesting and can, and can be confusing sometimes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm really glad you picked this word, actually. I was hoping that somebody would. <laughs> one, because I didn't want to have to be the one to do it, because um, <laughs> it, it is kind of dubious. And I guess, I, you know, for a listener, I mean, the word muroka, I mean, the word roka literally means filter. And the mu that goes in front of it, that I guess, for lack of a better word, prefix for that is none means none or nothingness so it's the ab literally the absence of you know filtration um and we use the word filtration but like you said and people say confusing maybe an unfiltered in the context or muroka in the context of the word talking about people might confuse that for say like a nigori or cloudy type sake whereas a lot of people when they refer to the process of right separating the liquid the sake from you know the mash they'll refer to that as filtration, right? So then that becomes, which 
technically is a form of filtration, right? Because you're passing it through some sort of a, a mesh or, or filter of some sort in order to separate those things. So filtering in that context isn't inaccurate, but a lot of times people will say just pressing or something like that for the sole reason that you have this other thing called Muroka, which is another type of filtering <laughs> or another or another level of filtering, you know, so to sort of yeah. differentiate between those two things. So it yeah, makes it yeah. it makes it really, really confusing for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that on some level, it's like, you know, a finer level of filtration, um, you know, like either doing it or not. Um, and I know that like on, on the brewing side, what is tough about it as well is that, you know, it can get, it can be really tough to sometimes filter uh, sake that has any kind of turbidity or cloudiness to it because it can clog really easily. And I think that's why, um, you know, charcoal is used a lot of times, but that's a whole process in and of itself. Um, and, you know, I think that the kind of general thought is that you, you kind of leave it untouched it's going to be a little bit bigger more robust more aromatic um if you if you kind of use these other methods it'll um you know mellow it out maybe some but i think what's interesting too is that you know you could you can even filter sometimes to very very small micron of small degree and kind of um, use it to even get rid of yeast and other things like that um, and that allows for like namas to, to be a little bit more accessible sometimes. So it, it's a really interesting term because it, it kind of, it's got a wide breadth of what it could actually be. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you sort of brought up the act of the charcoal, for lack of a better word, roca <laughs> or filtration, you know, and that was, was, and still is really common in, uh, for a lot of breweries in Japan. Uh, but a lot of brewers there as well as here now or like you said getting into like these much much finer you know um micron filters where literally a lot of times they often call them just super fine filters and they're just they're passed through to where they're taking out those small particles and like you said and say for like a nama or an unpasteurized product um one does it change the the flavor and profile a bit sure and then the other thing is it sort of adds to by doing that you get more shelf stability as well too because you have less other things in there that can that can you know work with other things over time and you know in different situations <laughs> and so it's it's confusing because in the kind of in the more in the active sort of uh charcoal scenario something like fining might actually be a more accurate term as opposed to um filtration but even though the process is very different, the function is the same, but it's sort of kind of the same, but it ends up being, you know, in English, it ends up being different terminology, but it all just kind of gets lumped into Buroka <laughs> and unfiltered. So it, it it is rather, rather dubious in that way. <laughs> and, like, and I think too, I would think from like the standpoint of, of you know, some US producers versus the Japanese, I think the idea is that most Japanese producers do it. So you use this word to say, oh, we didn't do it. But I feel like states, a lot of people naturally don't do it just because of that step is either, you know, not accessible because of equipment or, or, or whatever. And I would say maybe the the standard is to is that it naturally is more America. So it's also interesting in that sense as well. 
right? The fact you're right, actually, now that you mentioned, like the fact that you would put that on the bottle basically assumes that it's not standard practice, right? So mm -hmm. if it if yeah. it's kind of standard practice here, then it it at that point it's not really a talking point necessarily. <laughs> it's just <laughs> the way of the world. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. Oh, very cool. Excellent. Excellent. That's I'm so glad you brought that one to the table today because that is that is a topic we really needed to dig into and we might dig into in more detail another day. Uh, but for now, we will call it good on today's sake vocab. Andrew, thank you so much for taking a moment to share that with us. Of course, thank you. I always love to talk about sake. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. We're that's if if we're only we may only be good at you know a finite number of things, but if it's you know <laughs> talking about sake, it's, we can probably sort that out. Cool. And Andrew, why don't you tell folks where they can, if they want to follow and learn more about uh, North American Sake Brewery or the Brewers Association, what should what should they be um, following? Yes. Yeah, so, so follow uh, North American Sake, uh, NorthAmericanSake.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, the Sake Association is under SakeAssociation.org uh, as well on Facebook and Instagram. You can check out what we're doing. Definitely sign up for the uh, Brewers Association email list. That way you can keep up with all the really interesting news of what's happening in the world of brewing sake in North America. So check it out. Cool. Excellent. I love it. Andy, thanks again so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. And that will do it for this week's sake mini vocab session or mini sake vocab session, which is it? I don't even know anymore. We're uh, always here on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at, at SakeOnAir. You can send us your questions, thoughts, and feelings over to questions at SakeOnAir.com. The show is brought to you with the fantastic support of the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association. And whenever we can, we like to broadcast to you from the Japan Sake and Shochu Information Center located in the heart of Tokyo. The show is brought to you by Potsuke Productions with audio work by Mr. Frank Walter. That'll do it for this episode of Sake on Air, and we'll see you again in just a week or two or less. Until then, kanpai!